This is a news laundry podcast and you're listening to NL Hafta. अंग्रेज अपना लगान और न्यूज लॉन्ड्री अपना हफ्ता कभी नहीं छोड़ते वेलकम टू एन एल हफ्ता बिफोर आई गेट इन टू इंट्रोड्यूसिंग द पैनल एंड टेलिंग यू वॉट मेड द न्यूज आई वुड लाइक टू इन्फॉर्म यू मैनी ऑफ यू सब्सक्राइबर्स हैव बिन कंप्लेनिंग अबाउट टेक इशूज एंड ग्लिचेज फॉर द लॉन्गेस्ट टाइम वेल फाइनली आफ्टर प्रोमिसिंग अच्छे दिन फॉर द लास्ट फोर ईयर्स आई एम कमिंग टू बैंगलोर टू डिलीवर अच्छे दिन I'm going to be in Bangalore on the 6th and 7th of November. I'm actually coming there for some meetings regarding uh resolving our tech issues, our new website, new app, everything is uh will be under construction and hopefully you should see some results fairly soon. So, we are having a subscribers meet on the 6th of November. We're planning this sometime between 6 and 8 in the evening. Earlier I had said we'll have this in the afternoon between 3 and 5:30. Some of our subscribers wrote and said that you are working. I'm surprised. so therefore we should have it after 6 so if you guys can suggest a place near the indranagar area uh, do write to us at contact@newslaundry.com i repeat write to contact@newslaundry.com you can also write to me directly at abhinandan.sekri@gmail.com and suggest where we can meet so it'll be sometime between 6 and 8:30 so those of you who attend office can also attend november 6th in bangalore i'm there for two days if you have any suggestions regarding what features you'd like what all we should look at when we are building this new website which is going to happen now and in the transitory phase while the new website is being made we will migrate to a more efficient system than what it is right now you can go to sly granny in indranagar my suggestion that? it's a nice place it's like a cafe bar and has a nice terrace can i afford it what what if like You're... 25 subscribers land up and then they expect me to pay <laughs> Unless some of you guys, you're a rich man. You'll be able to afford it. I'm a rich man. Okay. <laughs> Clearly, we have one delusional journalist here. <laughs> uh, of course, if any of you subscribers own a restaurant, then well, we can just hang out at your place. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, so do suggest. Uh, and we have a WhatsApp group for the Bangalore subscribers so that we can update you. We do this when I go to the US and we have a subscriber meet there. If you write to us at contact at newslaundry dot com. we can add you to the bangalore subscriber group so that we can update you on what's happening where we're meeting meanwhile do become a subscriber go to newslaundry.com and pay to keep news free because when the public pays the public is served when advertisers pay advertisers are served and as donald trump proved right recently by ordering all you know the central government agencies to cancel their subscription in new york times and washington post it doesn't matter if a few dozen subscriptions go because hundreds others can keep it alive advertisers do keep it alive but at a cost which is at the cost of public service so do consider subscribing and paying to keep news free on that note let me introduce our panel we are thrilled to have after many attempts sohasini heather has finally made it to our studio welcome sohasini thank you and abhinandan the, the many attempts were only because i was traveling otherwise <laughs> i'd be here thank you so much for coming for those of you who don't know who sohasini is though i'm sure there are very few of you I will introduce her. Nevertheless, she is a national editor and diplomatic affairs editor of the Hindu. She writes on India's foreign policy and international relations. She holds a master's degree in broadcast journalism from Boston University's College of Communication, USA. What a lovely place Boston is, man! It is. It's a it's a student college first and foremost. I mean, a student city really because of the number of. Very simply, yeah, tragedy. I mean, first time in America, I went like I was almost thirty. Like I was over the hill. And I was like, "Yo, let me be young again," but too late. There's an uncle up there, Beto. Previously, she was a foreign affairs editor and prime time anchor for CNN and IBN, where she presented worldwide with Sohasini. 
Heather. She is also the recipient of the Prem Bhatia Award. Welcome, Suhasini. Thank you. We have our in-house desk editor, Miraj. Hi, Miraj. We have Manisha Pandya, superstar. Hello. And Madhu will be joining us soon. She is swimming through the Delhi smog, trying to make it here. <laughs> so, Manisha, before we, I'd like to start off on foreign policy issues, Suhasini. But what all has made the news that we will also discuss in this hour? The big, big story was a revelation by WhatsApp, uh, which the Indian Express carried a front page uh, report yesterday, saying that WhatsApp has said that uh, close to two dozen uh, journalists, activists, and lawyers have been targeted with an Israeli spyware called Pegasus. Uh, this has come out because WhatsApp has fo- filed a lawsuit in uh, San Francisco against this Israeli NSO group, saying that they've targeted about 1,400 of our users across the world, and they've targeted dissidents. Uh, activists, uh, journalists with this. Uh, News Laundry did a story on this. We reported how, uh, we reported on some of the people who were targeted in India and mostly these people are people working in Chhattisgarh, lawyers and activists in Chhattisgarh like Bela Bhatia, Anand Tintumble, uh, two journalists also. One of them again works in Chhattisgarh. And um, also another list with Praful Patel and all yeah, also came well out, the, right? Yeah, the, the, uh, there are two aspects to this which we can discuss later. But basically, some people just received a WhatsApp message saying that, you know, you should be careful about your privacy. Others received a call from Citizen Lab. So the ones who received the call from Citizen Lab were category told that you've been compromised. Right. Uh, the messages <laughs> pit we don't know about. The other big news was, of course, uh, the 23 members of European Parliament doing a little picnic in Kashmir. Uh, this came under a lot of controversy because a uh, most of them had leanings uh, far right leanings or were associated with parties that were far right and uh, there were some mystery men and women who were organizing this uh, little tour we've done a fantastic report on this yeah. which i highly recommend yeah uh, so that made a lot of news um, uh, there's uh, of course the opposition was quite upset with this and said that you don't allow our local leaders to visit kashmir you send us back from the airport but you're allowing these european mps to come people like Oasis said that people Islamophobic hai, which is true a lot of them have made some really despicable in fact when we discuss it I'll yeah. describe some of the ANI bites that every channel played which <laughs> were quite amusing then there was an assembly election in Maharashtra and Haryana Haryana has a government and chief minister deputy chief minister in place everyone what do they say it's a Maharashtra yesterday there was pushback from one side today Sanjay Raut has apparently said that we can form a government even without the BJP so that is interesting and fun. Meanwhile, uh, there was the horrific killings in Jammu and Kashmir. Yeah. Uh, which so far, five, yeah, laborers from yeah, five laborers from Bengal were killed, and so far about eleven have been killed. These are unidentified gunmen, but the police has, uh, I mean, said that these are militant attacks, and it was really, really sad. Some of the videos of these laborers talking about how they were attacked. And yesterday was the official day that Jammu and Kashmir is officially Union territory. Although apparently there is no provision in our constitution to make a state a union territory. So people are speculating this will be struck down by court. You can make a union territory a state, but there is no provision for the for the converse. Uh, and uh, Delhi air pollution is horrible. I've been tweeting about this all morning. I'm going to rant about this today, just giving you a rant warning. 909, right? Like Fucking don't even ask. This is ridiculous, man. <laughs> we have some Trump-related circus yeah, happening. Baghdadi which was also finally... Yeah, killed. And of course, I loved what Jimmy Kimmel did with uh, the mashup between Obama announcing uh, that dude's death, the billionaire, millionaire, whatever, Bin Laden, and this guy announcing this dude's death. It was quite funny. And the Andhra Pradesh government has empowered bureaucrats to sue journalists 
for baseless false and defamatory news yeah i'm um anyway i i think i may have a slight disagreement with manisha on this i know what her take is hmm. although maybe you can clarify exactly what this empowers them to do hmm. and the naga accord was supposedly all was done everything was sorted till yesterday but today the government of india has issued an advisory uh, sorry issued a statement saying it has come to the notice of government that lots of rumors and misinformation is being spread in media including social media that final naga settlement has been arrived and will be announced soon this creating anxiety it is clarified that before any settlement with naga groups all stakeholders including states of assam manipur and arunachal will be duly consulted uh, and they have had to issue this because yesterday there was a rumor and on twitter also that final accord has been arrived at the only disagreement is whether they'll have their own flag or not and why this is of concern to the others is because the entire the 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 demand is for a consolidated a larger nagaland what are they calling it naga nagaland correct which will include 1.2 million more nagas who are, and their parts of assam and manipur so yeah we might want to discuss that but for suhasini you are the guest do you want to go with has the ao dekho kashmir tour been a diplomatic success or we have we shot ourselves in the foot well i i'd start by saying that it is uh, um it is amazing that for the government the biggest priority as far as jammu and kashmir goes while uh, you know thousands are still in prisons not just in jammu and kashmir but in other states as well um, mainstream leaders locked up uh, and uh, some communication shutdown still remaining a clearly tenuous situation in terms of security because we've seen the stone pelting we've seen the brutal killing of uh, laborers that the that the real priority for the government was this image building exercise uh, we can get into the the nitty gritty of what that exercise eventually proved i just think it was a, a case to start with just to start with of really misplaced priorities as far as the government was concerned the second thing that i take an objection to as an indian is the idea that any group whether they're lobbyists whether they're an international business broker and you know congratulations for to news laundry for really putting it out first uh, in terms of who are the kind of people organizing this can send a letter as a private individual to whoever to european parliamentarians anyone and say uh, I would like to invite you for a VIP privilege tour as if it's some kind of a cruise liner expedition to meet the prime minister goes on to say the prime minister of India has just won an election and he'd like to meet you I think it's offensive and what makes it worse is that clearly they gave that kind of an invitation with some indication that, that it, it be, would be actually honored yeah. and not only the prime minister the vice president of our country mm. met them the national security advisor and we all know how difficult it is for him to come out and do this kind of public interchange uh, you know hosted them for lunch the ministry of external affairs and the external affairs minister had them for dinner uh, so and and the army seems to have you know rolled out the red carpet for them in jammu and kashmir so my my first question would be why does somebody who's from some private organization get that kind of clout hmm. to be able to set this up we have great embassies around the world we have a very competent ministry of external affairs if the government felt this was a priority and felt they needed to do this why didn't they use government agencies to make this kind of an invitation yeah and i saw the interviews first of all i'm just curious is what is ani position itself as is ani a news organization with news reporters or is ani a group of technicians who take equipment 
put the equipment in front of someone or say something and that person says something so I, they I, I'm just one curious. they have they have a setup in delhi and other places but mostly uh, their coverage from out of from like states and all is they just give a camera to somebody so usually strangers so yeah 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 so just shoot footage and send it to us mm. you don't so have to report or anything yeah, get bites. yeah so so they're not journalists then they're just they're just mic handlers basically because yeah. i saw one of these uh, very you know silly looking and i kind of did a little bit of research on some of those mps is basically the equivalent of i mean i'm not saying you know there's nothing wrong being right of center but if the delegation included you know sadhvi pragya giriraj kishore you know you can have right of center and you can have people with educated perspectives who have some heft body of work behind them if that was the conglomerate that went but um uh, one of them to and i said and then you know pakistan is sending terrorists and all terrorists come from muslim countries and all these muslim countries are sending terrorists and i was like this dude who's handling the mic isn't he saying like what the fuck are you saying dude like and no one even challenged that that bite was played as is on every channel so um i i was just blown away by the spectacular stupidity of the coverage of this also i mean I, while there was pushback in print and on twitter but i think television channels could have done a better job even the ones who are not necessarily that compromised no but manisha dissecting it manisha did a piece on that uh, press conference they held in kashmir yeah, the kind of questions that. these people asked the mainstream tv journalists it's like you bizarre. know what it's also really one should notice and and here i have to say newspapers were as guilty even though they had 12 18 hours to do their fact checking the main person who was speaking at that press conference was a mr henri malos yeah 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 he was described as an mep by all He's members not. of the He's european yeah. parliament He's not. He's clearly some sort of an associate of the organizer, yeah. Miss Mandi Sharma. Yeah, he's head of that he's SADF of foundation. The same yeah. thing. Um, and the fact that newspapers front paged with uh, calling him a member of the European Parliament when he was, uh, and the fact that he was the main speaker itself should have been called into question. In fact, question. we'd done a story in September, I think, yeah, yeah, that, that or, you know, on this guy who, again, A and I <laughs> took a bite from him where he's like, we, you know, we are with the Indian government and we think he's done a very good job, Modi, with three. 70 and they ran it as European Kashmir expert says that they are with the Modi government and then we found out that this guy is no expert his think tank is completely obscure you can't like reach out to them and it's neatly ties in with him you know kind of being at the center of this uh, expedition and he was also with this Madhi Sharma when they Madhi went to Sharma, Maldives, Maldives uh, for that they were kind of thing. but yeah like Abhinandan said that I think the Indian right should also you know start thinking of more respectable ways of sort of voicing whatever they want to voice because it's fine to quote conservatives but these are guys from parties like the law and justice party of poland which has said like horrible things about lgbtq rights uh, the vox party which is unapologetically islamophobic and they actually put out a video projecting muslims imposing sharia in southern spain Uh, or Marie Le Pen's party well, they are all members of the European Parliament so you yeah. can't you can't deny them the right to be representatives mm. of some sort uh, i think the problem that abhinandan pointed out is that you can't only have people yeah, from these parties the law and justice party is actually in power but um, but the truth is that when it comes to the fort uh, forta italia uh, or it is the liga party of italy or um, uh, you have uh, marine le pen's party in france uh, the german afd 
party. These are not parties that are in power. So if you're bringing those members, surely you should also reach out to the Macron government. Surely you should also reach out uh, to... There's this one liberal Marco. democrat, I think, in all of this. Yeah. Uh, the, Brit- the guy from Britain. Tom but, but I think the biggest problem what Suhasini pointed out was how can such enormous state apparatus across departments at the same time coordinate to give these guys the kind of you know red yeah, carpet and how can you reduce the government of india to the the guy cutting the sandwiches and pouring the orange juice uh, when some unknown obscure uh, business person tied to some completely unknown uh, uh, think tank in delhi is the one actually making these invitations on behalf of the government yeah but and then also there's on the, oh, sorry, yeah, uh, sorry just on the press conference you could also tell that these guys actually know nothing about Kashmir or any They're of the Kashmir experts the for ANI sure wise, the ANI report is like uh, sir what do you have to say about ceasefire violation Pakistan is violating he didn't know ceasefire violation he didn't know LOC he like it took them five minutes to explain that LOC is this or ceasefire violation is this to which then finally he said but we believe in peace I thought it was just fantastic that it ended so the <laughs> other aspect is as some people have already pointed out this clearly was not for Kashmiris this was it yeah, and yeah, it was not absolutely. even for international consumption it was for the BJP's own constituency in India Absolutely. If you look at it from that perspective, then it was a really smart move. So you have this bunch of Europeans, MEPs, who sort of have the same ideology as these guys, and they're touring Kashmir and they're saying all the wonderful things. And then most of the media, like people who watch television channels and read newspapers, and they only get to hear these nice things. I'd like to know Sahasini's view on this because people have very firm view on, on this, and I've articulated this on Hafta in the past, that... I, you know, that was my view and several others think so, but others think it's the opposite, that everyone from Indira Gandhi to Manmohan Singh to Narendra Modi are more conscious of what the international press is saying about them than the national press. And that was clear by Modi on, you know, Gandhi Jayanti writing a piece for New York Times uh, rather than any Indian publication who he holds in such contempt. Um, Manmohan Singh was famously very you know, careful about what are the international media saying if when it comes to corruption. He did not have a word when, you know, Indian media was going pagal, but a few pieces came out after the anti-corruption movement and five of his ministers, including him, said we are being maligned overseas. I was too young at the time, but I believe Indira Gandhi was also very conscious oh, about absolutely. the international they, media. They say that the, one of the reasons for the emergency being lifted was the bad international press she got. So, but there is another view that says that Modi really doesn't give a shit what the international press says about him. What What is your hunch? No, I, I, I don't think that is true. Uh, I definitely think that they are tracking very closely what happened in the international media, uh, particularly before Prime Minister Modi went to the US. Uh, they were quite worried about the kind of coverage that was coming out. You know, New York Times and Washington Post between them have put out more than 100 articles in the last few months. That's wow. that's quite a lot. Yeah. Uh, and that's just them. If the foreign minister of our country has uh, is, is pushed to say at a public forum that the real challenge in building, uh, you know, an understanding of what the government has done with foreign governments was actually the Western liberal media, uh, it means they take it fairly seriously. And it was uh, an issue for them. Um, uh, beyond that, the, the, the question is really, I mean, and then are we completely skewing what's, what essentially is a problem of image? Um, and the more we talk about the problem of image and how they're trying to burnish this image, um, we're, we're just walking away from the reality. The reality remains that for three months, these restrictions continue on the ground. Uh, that members of a European parliament can 
basically be taken around Jammu and Kashmir, taken around Srinagar, uh, when one of India's most senior uh, veteran politicians and members of parliament is in custody yeah. there, Farooq Abdullah, or that Indian politicians and Indian members of parliament have to go to court. And they have to say, uh, they have to give uh, an assurance, the, yeah, that, an assurance not, yeah. that they will not make political comments while they're there. While a European parliamentarian gets to go there, gets to hold a press conference. At that press conference, he makes comments about India's internal politics and says, you know, they really should allow... Indian uh, uh, Indian <laughs> opposition yeah. politicians yeah. to go. I, I mean, it's, it's, it's yeah. almost, it's really a Kafka-esque because we are now in a place where we're discussing all of this, but the, the actual reality is quite difficult. Okay. I think uh, more, definitely we need to know more about this Madi Sharma. She's quite a mystery woman with strange, she's like the Neera Radio of our... Yeah, so maybe we should you know, collaborate with yeah. some overseas journalists and do this. So let's hope, Manisha, we have a follow-up report on this. But yeah, fantastic report done by our team. Congratulations to them. I have a couple of emails and then I'd like to move on to the WhatsApp case. So be ready with your comments on that. Uh, this email is from Ratnam. Uh, he says, uh, I know you'll all be busy this week covering the elections, but please take some time out to discuss the ongoing strike at Telangana State Road Transport Corporation. Since the strike started, the state government has issued several press releases saying all 48,000 will be considered self-dismissed. Yeah. I spoke about the strike and some demands with Suno India. You can listen to that here. He's given the link. I'm sharing a bunch of other links to help you catch up on the strike. This is already shaping up to be the longest strike in TSRTC history. Regards, Guru Kubeli Sai Ratna Chaitanya. Thanks, Sai. Um, we will discuss it, um, although we don't have any on-ground reporter to really... We did discuss this, though, a few haftas a back, couple of right? haftas back. Um, Not yeah. much, but yeah. Uh, because, but because it was quite startling that he just dismissed everyone, like, right? Yeah, but I, I think our but subscribers who are from that part would like an on-ground report. So let's see if we can identify a reporter there who can do a yeah. detailed piece on this. And then Dilip Patwardhan, another subscriber, has... A very short but very sweet poetic type email. My Manisha to have independent news that is dream desire. Manisha means dream. <laughs> huh? Manisha is yeah, man ki Achha, So my assume. Manisha to have independent news coverage was realized last year when I became a subscriber. Abhinandan to all members for spreading Anand. I think he's different to Vardhan. <laughs> I am sure audio and video published by you will be Madhu Trehan. <laughs> Made my daughter subscribe as well. Oh. Uh, I miss Dipanjana Pal. Keep it up. Mm. Thanks for your subscription and for your support to independent media. Uh, so we have a couple of other mails, but I'll just come to them a little later. Yeah, uh, Miraj, why don't you start on, give us the context on what the hell this WhatsApp uh, snooping <laughs> gate is and what has Ravi Shankar Prasad said, who each time he opens his mouth, I'm always wondering like, he is basically passing the buck. He says, uh, "It's uh, we have written to the uh, to WhatsApp, asking them why this." He's happened. a law minister, right? Yeah, and WhatsApp has like sort of nothing to do with it because they are one of the victims. So right. what happened is there's this Israeli company called NSO Group, which has developed a spyware uh, called Pegasus, and it first came into sort of news when uh, Jamal Khashoggi was killed 
and it it was reported at the time that he was that's how he was tracked to turkey and everywhere and that's how they got hold of him and uh, killed him and the people who've created the software only sell to governments government agencies that's what and they intelligence say. agencies and because yeah. it's a very expensive software so they sell it to governments they obviously don't specify which governments they can sell it to all kinds of nasty governments as well as they did with the saudis apparently i think haritz has done an investigation yeah, yeah, yeah. into which yeah. governments they've sold to and yeah. mostly authoritarian dictatorships obviously because they yeah, are I mean, the I guess ones they are the ones who, who are the yeah. prime no, market also i mean the us has the biggest uh, they have their own stuff so yeah. they, i don't think they Obahar, need this they, they don't outsource <laughs> <laughs> yeah so what happened is so how this works is so they send you a, either they send you a link and you can click on the link and your phone is infected so everything on your phone is compromised or they just give you a video missed call you don't even have to take the call missed call and your phone is infected and once that happens they can turn on your uh, microphone and your camera and whatever is happening around you basically wow, you are like that is very scary, one of the man. people we spoke scary. with uh, she said it's like having a spy in your pocket yeah bela bhatia wow. yeah it basically takes over your phone everything you can do with your phone it does can do yeah and i think that is super scary very 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 to scary. just and just for the missed call so anyway, whatsapp yeah. is supposed to be this uh, very secure encrypted platform yeah. where you can like s- sort of do whatever you want without worrying about being tracked and all that and if that is also broken into what do you do but, uh, i there is um, i i know from very very reliable sources that there is also a particular union minister a cabinet minister who has paranoid about his phone being tapped uh his whatsapp being compromised although in his case i believe it it is someone close to him had access to his phone and and tapped him and he has been uh, at least among his own circle being been been jumping around about this so i'm sure there are many people within government also who will be very worried i mean and then you'd be surprised at how many politicians now when they want to speak to you will actually leave their phones Phone inside behind. the house and walk outside uh to talk to you so it's this is prevalent everywhere i mean obviously this has come into focus because of whatsapp taking these people right. to court uh but i think whatsapp is passing the buck as well yeah, why yeah, yeah. why do they have a software that's so easy to hack and and why do they ask us for so much permission to all our uh mails all our photographs yeah, and all the rest yeah. if they're not able to take care of our security i mean at some point we've got to start holding the whatsapps the facebooks uh and all the rest of that responsible you know it was very clear that facebook last year more or less said you're getting this service for free so what do you expect and in fact his reluctance at the congressional hearing to not explicitly say that we will not allow fake news to you know keep dodging questions the answer Zuckerberg. is just like you know for credible news service we are going to have to have people pay for it we have to start doing that with social media but as well if twitter can say we will not allow political advertising i don't see what pre- prevents facebook from saying the same no, but, i mean but that's the thing like she said uh, who holds them accountable there's nobody to hold them accountable that's this is the problem with monopoly capital they are so big facebook is now grown so big you can't do anything about that the only option they have which they are talking about now the democrats is break them up what they did with microsoft antitrust just break them, them up. up not just antitrust just break them up into pieces make them small pieces face 
Facebook and Google because this is going to happen. This is surveillance capitalism, right? So Israeli, there's an Israeli company selling you stuff. You ban that company. Tomorrow there'll be some other company selling same stuff to some other people because there's profit. As long as profit is the organizing principle of your society, this is going well, to I mean, keep I, happening. I, I have to say, I think that's extreme, but I do think that it's necessary for the user to stop expecting things for free. For too long, the internet has been seen as something that just is like the ether, that we have a right to it like we have to public resources. But I think if these services are, you know, compulsorily made, a, you know, a, 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 you know, something that people have to pay for, you will find that then you can expect a certain amount of security. Then I can say, look, I'm giving you all this information. And also you will be a... A, a significant enough revenue generation stream for exactly. them to give a mm, damn. But, but you know, what you said, I don't problem. think necessarily profit motive is alone the corrupting principle. China is the biggest example. The state itself is not necessarily working for profit in the balance sheet terms. I mean, in the existential sense, you can say yeah. yeah. It's the world's biggest because, corporation yeah. right now so, in Chinese government. So th- I'm pretty certain, like CRISPR technology, while, you know, Boston and all these labs in the U.S. are arguing about should CRISPR, which way should it go down, should there be these CRISPR toolkits, should they be available. In that podcast that I had mentioned a few months ago, uh, the doctor says, he says, we don't have any evidence, but we are certain China has already done all that we're talking about, that it should not be used to apes, should not be used for human beings. He says, I'm sure China's already done it. We just don't know. Similarly, I think China would already have a technology way more advanced than this Pegasus. We just don't know it. Oh, no, they are doing mm. worse things in uh, Xinjiang province. No, like what Swasini said about uh, paying for these services. So that's the discussion going on. Should these be just corporations who are only accountable to their shareholders or should they be treated as public utilities like yeah. your electricity uh, companies and others? You have to treat it as public utility. Yeah, yeah, if I you do, I then all these things happen. You'll have to pay for it. There won't be any like free advertising and stuff and all that. understanding of what a corporation is has to change. I agree. Yes. In, in the digital age. Uh, Manisha? I'm just really surprised at the names that have come out because if you look at them these are really like these aren't what you call dissidents these aren't people who you'd say are even vociferously anti-Modi or anti-government and if I mean you know if you want to screw over activists in Chhattisgarh the state police has been doing it for a very long time I, I can't understand why you would spend millions of dollars to buy the spyware and then target these really like and, ordinary and, and I would like to ask is WhatsApp <laughs> itself not giving some of this information I, I mean I, I really would like to ask yeah. if, if, if it's only about this one company in Israel that's the, that's the real problem eventually we know that this is the tip of the iceberg. Also, I'm wondering, so it uh, the spyware infects you through WhatsApp, but then it takes over your phone. Entire so what thing, about yeah. the operating systems? I, I, you I'm know? sure it possibly f- can get your email and everything else. That's yeah, yeah everything. But then you have to so look this at thing, Android. What it does is it basically breaks your encryption, WhatsApp encryption. But like she said, Google has been doing the same thing forever. It's still yeah, doing, but collecting everything about you. People consider WhatsApp to be safe. Secure? Like even yes. now, yeah. you know, when we need to make a call, you signal a WhatsApp. So while the kind of stuff that is on your phone, you don't, you're not so bothered about it. Your WhatsApp, you are, because uh, you consider it yes, secure. Yes, exactly. One well, thing Madhu I definitely... Here. Hi, Madhu, I welcome. I, uh, you have just you. swum through smog to get here. Uh, you know, uh, let's stick to the subject. I'll talk about that later. I don't know if you've brought up the point that uh, the government, Ravi Shankar Prasad, 
has is um, saying uh, have you discussed that sort of touched on whatsapp jawab i think it's ironical that he should say that whatsapp should answer for the priv- invasion Security of privacy of of the, so the question is then who is who is doing the surveillance who mm. wants this information on people particularly who they see as opponents of the government so i wouldn't say opponents of the nation because clearly they put these people as anti national but these are people who to to my mind whatever their view uh, views may be are patriotic because they're working in their perspective for the country so then he turns the tables around and asks like uh whatsapp has to answer the first question is who would want this information on these kind of people exactly second point i wanted to make is a very valuable story to read today which explains a lot of this uh, that has happened in, on whatsapp and pegasus is um ronan farrow's story that's come out in the new yorker which explains how weinstein weinstein hired the israeli um surveillance private intelligence company black cube to uh, target uh, and put on surveillance journalists who were covering his story who were working on his story as well as all the sexual uh, the the women who had accused him so they were all being uh, spied on by this uh, mm. israeli private intelligence company and ronan gives the details of how he was followed how he was targeted and how one of the guys who was actually uh, spying on him then went rogue and started telling him everything wow okay so it's a fascinating story it's a three yeah, part yeah. Art, three parts to it and it explains a lot on this incident there's another uh, like can you imagine if this was not an israeli company but say a pakistani company or an iranian company or even a russian company I mean we would be like nearing war right now. <laughs> <laughs> But I definitely think one thing on the question of corporations and responsibility like traditional corporations have had auditors to look into accounts and all you definitely need more people like citizens lab that essentially WhatsApp went to citizen lab and said look something's happening figure it out for us and they did it. So you definitely need more of these third party sort of checks now on these corporations maybe like a mandatory audit on privacy on you know how they're going about data. accountability that, obviously that's i think yeah, frankly, i mean that has to be built into these i don't think it's it's at a stage that can be controlled i think the only thing the citizens can do is to presume that whatever you're on is being heard whether it's now just now or whether it's you're talking on the f- like i gave you that example some time ago where i was talking to my husband on the phone saying i need to get a hearing test all right just on the phone i had not googled sim- my symptom i have no symptoms but just thought because of my age i think i should get a hearing test and then as soon as i hang up i go on my normal websites all the news websites i go on in the morning and suddenly i'm getting ads on a hearing clinic near you and went on for days and then subsequently they considered okay she's old so then bunion this thing and arthritis all the old age and they insist that this is being done sort of mechanically that that no but how did they hear me on the conversation there was an article about this that how your mic is hearing you in fact there was one about what alexa's you have to you have to actually take away permissions i didn't have anything else on 
other than my, this conversation yeah, on the so phone. No, but, your, but your phone has a mic as well. Yeah. And you have to uh, go to your to apps and take away their permission for your mics. Because I had a similar example some time ago where I ordered dinner. Uh, and the next thing I got was a notification saying, would you like to put pictures of your dinner on some <laughs> thing or the other? So it's, it's, it's obviously there, but you have to take away the permissions. Just one thing though I've been wondering that we know that there are journalists on this list and sure. so far I mean there are about at least more than 40 people and only about we know about 12 or 16 this of these. Praful Patel also. Mm, yeah. He just received a message. He hasn't got a call so I don't know. I mean there's a difference in that but why do you think journalists are not coming out or act? I mean I'm just wondering why so many people are silent. If you've got a call from Citizen Labs I would have expected more people to come out and say that yeah we got a call and we've been spied on and we want to figure out who's doing this and why and this is a breach. I'm a little surprised that no one. You're surprised? So you think that many journalists were part I, of this program but aren't owning up? Or you th- I think so. Because if there are because the WhatsApp spokesperson told Indian Express it's not a significant number. It's not an insignificant number. So which means there there are a lot of people. But he, no, he said insignificant number. Right? He, said he said it's, it's not, not an, an insignificant, insignificant number. Oh, so okay. I'm wondering I why you wouldn't... I think... Although you are the senior journalist. It's Have fear. You got it's Mujhe fear. Koi, no one it's fear, basically, that, you know, if I'm being targeted, you think you're not checking who else is being targeted. So imagine the human human side of the story. A person, just think of an, a journalist getting a call that you're being spied on and you get the fright like, oh, hell, why am I being spied on? Just keep my head low. Maybe, okay, yeah, let's go beyond the radar. I don't want to create any more trouble. So I think that's a human reaction that, you know, or I'd, if I start creating a stink, there'll be more trouble. It was bad enough being spied on. Yeah, and even uh, if you want to give those journalists the benefit of doubt, A, they don't want to be the story. Um, B, the truth is that, is it really coming as a huge surprise? I don't think so. I mean, I would be honest, I'd say this is not the first government under which we have seen this kind of thing. The, the thing that has changed is technology. that technology has made it so much easier. When I was a kid, if somebody wanted to, um, uh, you know, tap your phone, A, they would have to go through all kinds of permissions. Then somebody would have to show up at your house, open up your telephone phone, box, yeah. put a little bug in, make sure that the battery of that bug worked, in fact, um, and then tap your phone. And then somebody would have to transcribe it all down. What this kind of thing does is essentially just sends transcripts with, you know, uh, the, the words that could sort of uh, attract attention being marked out. You know, it's 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 just that it's become so much easier. I'm getting rusty in my old age. Whose office was it? Was it Pranab's Pranab office? Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Ravi Prasad even said in his tweets that yeah. they should not be talking. Have Let's they forgotten? <laughs> but it was almost like an admission. Firstly, why did the government come out with a statement to say it was being maligned when nobody had actually Accused blamed the government. Yeah. On a side note though, he's being on message, the law minister, because it's always, now it's Facebook's fault, otherwise it's like Tukde Tukde Gang or JNU people or Nehru or somebody else. It's never their fault, right? Yeah, I so mean, I, being I, on I message just think there. one thing that politicians in general, and I think this is true for the politicians in the center uh, across party lines, they have forgotten what it's like to... Um, address the press or take questions like I see chief ministers they can still some of them most of them to some extent can push back without sounding either petulant or childish or offensive uh, other than Mamta who like will throw you out of the room if you know she doesn't like what you're saying but by and large I've noticed state chief ministers whether it's Chhattisgarh chief minister whether it's a Delhi chief minister for all you know uh, their flaws um, 
even uh, Karunanidhi and Stalin, I've, I've seen press conferences where they push back against questions that they don't agree with. But between Piyush Goyal, Ravi Shankar Prasad, Nirmal Sitaraman's performance at Columbia University, my God, I was holding. Did you guys see that recording? When when they, a student asked her that, you know, Raghuram Rajan has said this. Oh, yeah, yeah. And yeah. she was making these faces like, you know, my niece when she's pissed off. Oh, so Mamu will tell me what to do. Hmm. Yeah, Mamu, why don't you tell me what to do? I was like, dude, you're like 65 or something. <laughs> yeah. And she didn't answer the question. Oh, we don't have animal spirits. So I think. And same thing with Sibyl, same thing with Chidambaram. He too would slap you if he, you know, was Punjabi. So, I think none of them can take questions. A couple of announcements and then we'll come to the pollution issue. Um, first of all, if you listen to this podcast on any of the platforms other than newslaundry.com, whether it's Stitcher, iTunes, CastBox, do rate us, write a review, hopefully a favorable review and give us a high rating that gives the likelihood of us being discovered by others higher which means more people will listen to us, which means more people might subscribe by coming to newslaundry.com, checking out our other stuff, and subscribing and paying to keep news free. So do rate us on whatever podcast platform you're on. Secondly, from now until all the tech glitches are completely fixed, the haftas will be free. We are taking them out of the paywall, so we have no glitches. We have a glitch-free experience. But once the paywall is up again, the people who continued to pay us during this free period will be given some special benefits. Because uh, we know that you are paying us because you believe independent media should be supported, not because you want access to such amazing, brilliant analysis that only we are capable of, yo. And finally, um, um, yeah, uh, about the Bangalore subscribers meet, I repeat, please come on the 6th and write to me and tell us where we should meet. Now, a couple of other emails. This is from Divyang. Hi, this is my fourth letter. I just heard Hafta 245. I have been lagging a bit, a new job, where you discuss the role of the media. In economics and finance, one of the key commonly known principles is the principal agency problem. I'm sure most newsletter subscribers know and understand it, but for the layman, a principal agency problem typically arises when the agent makes decisions on behalf of the principal, whose money or resources are at stake. For agents, you can think of stockbrokers, hedge funds, real estate brokers, etc., in our case, it is the government, which at the end of the day uses the principal's capital to make ideally yet seldom good and profitable decisions on our behalf. One key pillar of the principal agency problem is the information asymmetry between the agent and the principal, which allows the agent to exploit the principal's capital. Here, the government and the citizens respectively. I think the only role of the media is to reduce this information gap, since typically the agent has an information advantage which it tries to leverage for its own gain. That is why the media's mandate appears to be more often anti-establishment than not. Ideally, the principal citizen should pay an independent third party to work as an auditor in order to reduce this asymmetry. For example, news laundry. Cheers, Divyang. Divyang, very well put. So that's when we had a conversation a few weeks ago about what is the media's role. Is it only to point out flaws? Or But Divyang has articulated it very well as in, in economic terms. And uh, thank you, Divyang, for that. And thank you for your support as well. Um, now, uh, can we just move to the pollution issue? Uh, let me start with you this time, Manisha. Um, just laying the context, uh, this morning when I checked the AQI in Delhi, in most of Delhi it was above 700. Last night when I went to sleep, in most of Delhi it was about 550. Uh, it is dangerously high, uh, ideally it should be below 100. Uh, actually, the best case is it should be low 30 or 50. But India is 100 but is... We don't mind cool. being unhealthy as long as it should be alarming or we shouldn't be... Uh, Delhi has this haze hanging over it. It's horrible. 
I woke up with this horrible throat two days ago and I was completely fine till then. And so far, we have yet to hear anything from Mr. Khattar, Mr. Amrinder Singh, Captain Amrinder Singh, or Harshwardhan. Arvind Kejriwal has made a few, this thing he had said, he'll go meet Khattar, Khattar didn't want to meet him. He's distributed some gas masks today. And he has done the hath jod ke, mein mangta hoon, whatever, crop burning band karo. I just want to, I'll shut up after this and let all of you talk. I just want to, you know, talk about what, I want to tie in what was said about who are the journalists who are tapped and who are not speaking up. I think the journalists who are tapped will either be Madhu's generation, because of their importance and, or the millennials. I think my generation, it doesn't really matter anymore. So Madhu's generation is not going to speak up because what the fuck, we've done enough battle in our life, now we don't want to get in. The youngsters are just lazy. Because if I was half the man I was when I used to be an activist and you know, I've, I've gheraud Sheila Dixit's house, I've gheraud Manmohan Singh's house on RTN, it took the latest stuff that didn't, it wasn't existential. I'm surprised a bunch of 20-somethings have not surrounded ML Khattar, uh, Harshwardhan, and Captain Amrinder Singh's homes and burnt like a ton of leaves and said, now you fucking breathe this and then we'll let you come out. I haven't seen any fucking millennium get out jack shit ever since we became old. <laughs> I, I concede the floor to you, millennial. Okay. <laughs> Apart Thanks. from taking Olas and Ubers and yeah. ruining our auto kar industry. Diya. Tweet kar diya. When was the last Gherao? When, when do you remember the last Gherao? I don't... Uh, the last Gherao... Ahmad Mi Party? Why didn't you do it? That was... That was the Buddha. I think this is an issue that really needs more than Gheraos. It's just become too serious. I'll, I'll let Manisha speak. No, no, please go ahead. Hmm? Go ahead. Well, it's like Lazy. this. I used to consider... No, no, because she had a point. So I no, I, I used to consider this... Frankly... Honestly, really honestly, I used to consider this pollution issues and people complaining about it like such sissies. You know, what the hell? Grow up. So what little pollution? And also at my age, I was like, okay, if I don't live, if I live two years less or five years less, what's the big deal? I really didn't care. I wasn't paying attention, putting purifiers in my house or doing... My children, because they have children, were extremely active in their schools, at homes, doing everything they can to reduce the pollution level for their kids. Now, it's reality has hit home to me in the worst way. For the last four days, I've been waking up with a splitting headache. Isn't it, Madhu? And eyes, I, yeah. I thought that, you know, I haven't drunk enough water. Finally, it got so bad, I went to the doctor. He said, it's pollution. And then I realized that uh, when they talk about uh, young babies and children and old people being affected more, I realize, hello, I'm one of those old people. I, because I don't feel my age or think my age that, oh, I'm old, I can't do this, I can't do that. Suddenly, reality was brought home that, listen, you're one of those old people, senior citizens who are more vulnerable. And so these headaches, not going away, really tough, sore throat, everything. And just what concerns me now like and also my skin breaking out in a tiny tiny bundi rash so went mm. to the dermatologist they said from pollution okay so now i'm i've been told by the doctors i went to that just leave town which means that people who can afford to yeah, exactly. will leave town you'll have pollution uh, immigration and what happens to the people one who are working who can't leave town who can't leave their jobs, who, you know, poor people who have no access, who are living on the streets in Bastis and all that. That, I think, we've reached a question of life and death. It's not a question of now sissies anymore, exactly. as I used to look at it. It's a question of people being seriously affected and permanently affected. And I think that activists really 
have to get the, get into this game. Yeah. It just cannot mm-hmm. be ignored. And you're talking about journalists not reacting or whatever. Actually, one of the a side issue is that I existentially I consider self myself a journalist. Many times uh, in uh, your working career, you have to consider that am I an activist or am I a journalist? Because you get onto issues. I really don't see myself as an activist. I do see myself as a journalist. But our job is to to focus on stories that will make people public interest. Yes, yeah. to react Have to that. But not to go out. Can I just jump in because in you use the word so lazy? Enough. I do think that we're as as public speakers and journalists also pretty lazy because pollution becomes this huge issue in the month of Diwali uh, and the month of the crop burning and the rest of the year we kind of sort of live with it it's and it's and when it's not so bad so i i do think that the the fact is that we are going to need to broaden this discussion a little bit um you know ar- across society through the year instead of it just being the issue in this month yeah. Yeah. some schools preempted this did not give the holiday that pre the holiday pre, uh, so pre the Shara, uh, yeah. for the Sarah, they didn't give that, and they're giving the holiday now, uh, anticipating the crop burning. We no, didn't I so badly do do so badly uh, on Diwali. In fact, actually. it was very good till the Diwali yeah. evening. It mm. was a crop burning. That's the problem. Mm. There are, I think, two fundamental. Uh, uh, so I think we should surround Captain making. Arminder Singh and all these people mm. in Punjab and just burn stuff around their homes. Okay. No, we're making two huge ta, mistakes we when we talk ta. about pollution. One, like Sohasni said, we're only talking about it around Diwali. This is not a Diwali problem. Diwali exacerbates it. But I remember checking it during June. Also, it was about 400 to 600. We had a good September because of the wind speed and the rain but through the year we are breathing really shit air and when journalists are only going to talk about this as a Diwali thing you're just you know minimizing the scope of the problem this is something that should be really talked about through the year and we're talking looking at this as a Delhi problem when it's not a Delhi problem you look at states in Punjab Hisar Haryana even Lahore this is like a huge Northern Belt problem unless until all of us come together to figure out fix the farm fires that seems to be one of the I think 35% of the causes Mm. uh, farm fires and if you look at the map actually on Google Punjab is red like the concentration of fires is it's insane it's nowhere would you see such concentration? And there are fixes. You exactly. see, half the problem is, what are the fixes? Farmers have clearly shown they don't have the money to bring in threshers. Mm. They are going to burn because it's just so much easier to burn your fields overnight and then come the next morning and it's all gone. Uh, and it is a problem of, it is a part of the agrarian crisis. Right. Is there a way of incentivizing the governments and not just the state governments, but the central government to do a kind of, you know, a, a mass threshing uh, you know, take care of fields across and, and then charge a tax or whatever it is on that. I think those systemic solutions have not really been gotten into because, as I said, the debate remains one part of the year. Uh, also, I, I, sorry, Maharaj, go ahead. Yeah, like she said, it, these are systemic issues. Like you can tweak here and there. You can give farmers maybe machines for a time. But it's not just only that. So there was research in 2018, I think, by uh, the uh, Teddy. They said... Only about 4% of the pollution in Delhi is by crop burning. Only in this 15-20 days around it this time, become it becomes more. Other, otherwise, it's not that much. The Most of the pollution comes from vehicles. PM2.5 hmm. pollution comes from vehicles and industries and dust. Hmm. Nobody is talking about that. So it's a public health emergency. Also, then again, 
see like she said how do you incentivize farmers to not burn their crops some of them burn their this thing because they have to prepare the fields yeah. for the next harvest season some of them in muktisar i think they burn it because their soil the ground water level is very high it's wet soil so to just dry it off fast they do that and one farmer there was a report uh, last year in scroll one farmer says i am willing to do this properly i don't want to burn my stubble i collected it even to sell it to cardboard uh, manufacturers but then nobody came and in the last minute i had to uh, burn it off so there's no incen- incentive like that back home we are also farmers right so we we grow only paddy what there is an incentive to reap that stubble and not burn it because it is used in apple packaging so you get so there's a use yes yes so if you have cardboard make, making plants or even the government buys it and gives it off to somebody else there's always so, a solution uh, yeah, i think there are solutions uh, there, there are two things just to explain to our listeners this happens when you grow paddy because once you take the rice off the what's left over that really tall ghas kind of thing which has deep roots if you want to use that field again you have to pull all that out of the roots and that can be extremely labor intensive or capital intensive using the machines what they have uh, what do they call them seeders uh, so and because that seed is only used for that one purpose and it'll be useless the rest of the year a lot of farmers don't buy it because they won't do anything with it for the rest of the year unlike a tractor that can be used all year uh, i think the problem in our policy makers is also that they have learned some basic stuff from how they make policy in the us but they go don't go into the detail like for example when you see the debate on obamacare or when you see the debate on any of the other economic issues they do the cost benefit analysis that if this weren't to happen this is the healthcare cost that will happen if you don't police like i have recommended that podcast uh, on hafta once that saving money on police officers in high risk high crime black neighborhoods while the city thinks it's saving money over five years how it's actually spending more money because the healthcare cost because of shootings that happen because of drugs that happen even in pure financially quantifiable terms it is more expensive to take cops off the streets so even here in saving even if they give the seeders they give it to every farm say you're free me kar lo what money you will spend there will be a fraction of what you're spending in these long lines and healthcare costs that whether it is a government of uh, hospitals that take care of because generations are getting screwed so even if you go by pure economics i think if someone were to really do a study on this i don't know if there are any students we have so many phd types who listen to us you know do a do a study on this and give it to the government says here it's cheaper for you to buy these so many thousand threshers and every district wise Uh, send them they out. don't even have to give anything for free. I mean, uh, one proposal is to reduce is it instead of the hey, double subsidies already there. No, no, right no, double cropping of wheat and uh, rice. You do relay cropping of uh, pulses, but there's no minimum support price yeah, for pulses. There's no incentive for that, and so, also so exactly. Uh, the rice and also, like though. in Delhi, because pollution is because of the cars and in other cities, you can just strengthen the public transport system, make it better. But you don't do that, and the, all these things I'm afraid to say won't happen unless it becomes a really big political issue. For me, also there's one thing. To me, it's pretty obvious that because this is the election year, BJP would not want this problem to be solved because you saw all those ads Arvind Kejriwal saying we've solved pollution, we've solved. Mm. They wouldn't hand them over something for them to then claim before elections. Ki look, we solved the pollution problem, and Amrinder also hates Kejriwal. So I, I think if there was a BJP state government, maybe this problem would have been fixed. Yeah, so they would have acted a, very fast to give the incentives to farmers. It has to become farmers. a political issue. where yeah. it's one of the issues where people on which people I vote I also wonder how much you know we're taking this in because all of us can see the air 
it's it's there's no rocket science here in terms of how sure. bad yeah. the situation is and yet yesterday we had a marathon of 10000 people running up and down rajpath yeah. and nobody really asked the basic question should the government be forcing children and policemen i think there were 1000 crpf uh, jawans in there and secretaries to the government to be running around in the middle of this this clearly i mean you could see the smog sure. as they ran uh, this kind of pollution so what ends up happening is we talk about it in an kind of theoretical abstract term the moment you say 2.8 pm to mm, 5 to be frankly i tune out um but i think we do need to you know we do need to see public officials actually being bothered by the problem mm. and that's yeah. something we're not really seeing we're seeing general people saying it we're seeing people saying my child has been coughing for days now and all the rest but we're not seeing public actually, officials fantastic walks pop yeah someone got on the camera and said do you want to run in this air or are you just doing it because amit bhai had said i think a large part of my guesses i have done a survey but my large part that i see is people are kind of still think like i used to that oh it's just a precious attitude that i want to be clean and you know it was the kind of attitude i have i think generally a lot of people still have that okay, you know it's a small issue it's nothing i think the the reason why Uh, politicians are not responding is because obviously as you said there's no pressure from the public and until that pressure comes i don't think anything will change we really have to up the pressure on them also what you said about uh, this thing people think oh it's not a big issue it's a little bit of dirt in a country like india that's understandable because you have like 90% of the people living in conditions which are like deplorable right and also uh, environmental activism in india has mostly been sort of uh, by the by a bit of a privilege people unless uh, except some exactly, exceptions like say narmada bachao andolan and all those people in the environmental uh, forest rights acts those protests they are like broad based and ground driven but most of this kind of environmental activism is driven by sort of upper class people yeah but if you're living in in a basti with an open sewer and standing in line for a toilet which may or may not have a flush I mean the your issue cannot be environmental exactly. but uh, i i think most activists is driven by the more privileged i mean i the more educated yeah it i i think because in our country especially in fact no, the title always, of the next always the historically next it's karl marx or whatever yeah, it came from because, the bourgeoisie because you have you have the you can indulge yourself in that you aren't resigned to I'm fucked, so I might as well live my life, you know, the, the way I am. That's, so, that's, that's, that's true, issue. but the thing is, then you have a ground movement behind Correct. you. Correct. So in this case, it's mostly people writing reports, uh, people so saying, so if uh, someone, doing seminars. So there's no groundswell of. So if someone walked in, you know, whether it was uh, an Aruna Roy or a Nick Hale or a Prashant Bhushan or a Kejriwal or Shekhar Singh, you know, back when we used to do Gujarats, each of these. people are fairly privileged yes, I mean, it's yes, not like of course but they had the patience and ability to go to a sundar nagri slum to go to tilonia and say this is why this is fucked for you and then thousands would join and build a ground movement what yes. i'm saying is i i am not aware of any gherao having happened after that 2011 the janlokwale gherao we did i mean if i'm wrong let me know but okay maybe the nirbhaya outrage 2012 correct out. that was yeah probably that was the last one correct so uh, a couple of emails This is Shurveer Singh. I am no expert in psychoanalyzing a country of 1.2 billion, but I had a few thoughts regarding unhappiness and rowdiness of Indians. When the protests against gun sexism, Trump, or climate change happen across the world, there was almost zero violence. I have talked to college-going students here in the U.S. who were arrested during the protests. They know that when they get arrested, and by and large, they will not be receiving intimidation or violence by the police or the government. 
Indians have no such trust in their institutions. If you are poor and penniless, you know that anyone having little access to power will treat you like vermin who should squirm under their authority. Also, the poor and uneducated are much more violent in the, their protests than the educated and rich. We shouldn't be squeamish in saying this. And the reason is what I precisely said. They have almost nothing to lose. They are beaten up, bullied and harassed by almost everyone 364 days a year. When they see a mob being formed, that's the first time they have tasted power. And they exercise it by burning buses. I also dislike this fetish of viewing poverty as character building. Debilitating poverty makes you miserable and immoral and mannerless. My personal theory for Indians' unhappiness is a very large number of people vying for a small pool of jobs and resources, but it's a mystery that no one seems to know the answer to. All the think pieces I read were full of wild guesses. Perhaps News Laundry should do a deep dive into it. Shurveer Singh. Thanks, Shurveer, for your mm-hmm. for weighing in on that. Uh, although I, I will say that I think it's not just poverty because there's poverty in lots of places. I think it is hierarchy. We are hierarchy obsessed. And if you believe you have the wherewithal to get away with it, whether it's because of your caste or whether because of your financial means, you don't think twice about treating someone else like shit. And I remember that video of, you know, people, mobs bashing up someone. Their kids there, they're watching and laughing. Now, if that's what you've grown up seeing and you can laugh at that, when you become an adult, you'll do the same but thing isn't without... there are a lot of gross generalizations in there? I mean, we've traveled across India. People are kind. People are welcoming. Uh, poverty doesn't have anything to do with what you called mannerlessness or anything. I mean, the, the truth is that it's not borne out by experience. And when it comes to mobs, when it comes to protests around the world, it's maybe there are places where law and order is taken a little more seriously. There are places where people, you know, will protest but will not cross a line. But I don't think that that's just an Indian problem. I mean, I've seen protests in other countries which have, you know, turned into um, uh, groping sessions against. Uh, if you remember when the Tahrir Square uh, uh, protests happened in Egypt, uh, women journalists were actually sent advisories saying, "Don't go out there." So oh, sorry, the I, I mean, I, I think these a- generalizations don't really help. Uh, eventually we're talking about a human condition and there are people who are terrible and what they do is wrong. We don't have to get into whether they're in this part of the world or they're poor or richer or educated. And I have a question. Hmm. When have the rich ever come out to protest in this country? And what makes <laughs> us think that they will not? Uh, okay, so I what don't is think the, it has to do with rich or poor. No, actually. no, we are comparing the rich and the poor. Come no? to protest in the country. He's saying the rich protesters are more sort of... No, no, no richer countries. He meant countries. He just said... Richer countries. No, uh, no he also said that... did when uh, Rajiv Gandhi uh, put out the... and uh, started to... Um, uh, he attempted to pass the anti-defamation bill and... I would say all the editors are rich. So all the senior <laughs> editors showed up and marched okay. in on India Gate. So it included Kuldeep Nayar, Arun Shuri, Arun Puri, yeah, yeah. George Wogg. I mean, every... Very iconic pictures yeah. of this person. So no, I mean, like, rich generally, rich. not just the... No, but I think but is Shuri, yeah, everybody is rich relative to yeah. somebody. Yeah. I mean, but, but, I, 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 as I said, I think gross generalizations of this kind yeah, are yeah. difficult. But also, I don't think he said rich don't, but he, he said the mythology around that poverty builds character he says it's wrong poverty actually makes you more aggressive is I th- he did not say again a generalization because not in always, many cases yeah. poverty makes you resilient it makes you more empathetic to people could, around you i mean i i get what you're saying and like mehraj last hafta i said generalizations are never accurate and generalizations are generalizations but i think as a generalization if one was to say you know punjabis will be more aggressive than let's say tamils I think it's a true generalization. No, and I, my I mother is Tamil, my dad is Punjabi. I don't agree. And I I, mean, so yeah. I I think, no, I'm just saying, I, you, but I just think generalizations are that, generalizations. And in that sense, the example I gave was that 
you're right the world over you know people can be badly behaved my friend nupur uh, tiwari who was a jo- journalist with ndtv i remember she was doing a piece to camera i think it was during f- when did the world cup happen in france 2002 18. italy when was it uh, the world cup that uh, she was covering the a world cup probably t- sometime between 2004 2009 i don't know which exactly year it was and this group of hooligans just came and misbehaved with her on camera when she's doing a piece to camera uh, she's with ndtv so yes that kind of stuff happens but if you've been the only place where i don't see that aggression is in bengal during durga puja where there are thousands and hundreds of thousands on the street jostling and shoving but it's not aggressive or angry you know people but i have been in bombay during visarjan if by chance your car is caught in the middle of the mob that's coming they will damage your car they will try to intimidate you they will bully i was in banaras during modi's campaign they were bullying dicks every mob that had a larger uh, you know if there were 100 of them and there were 10 of you they would force you to chant stuff now i have seen gr- crowds sure, in all parts of the world india, but i think in, yet india has had the largest congregation of humanity the kumbh so many times sure, so how many sure. episodes of this kind have you seen so again as i said generalizations are a difficult thing there are criminals there are people who do the wrong thing there are people who are molesters out there in societies everywhere and 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 uh, obviously they will cause ugly incidents but i i don't think we should generalize about people one last email and then i'd like to talk about the the naga accord and um, there were two issues that we didn't mention in the headlines one is that employment has fallen for the first time by 9 million in 6 years a study says uh, this is written by santosh mehrotra and jajati ke parida it's an academic paper by the center of sustainable employment at the azim premji university so that's quite an alarming number and a gujarat firm has backed this 229 crore deal for consultancy on the rajpath parliament redevelopment i want to know what is the redevelopment happening i'm just curious but before that this email from vijay krishnan dear all this is the best hafta in a while all the last few have had really good bits to me good haftas are clearly the ones where you spend time on one topic and there is some back and forth and disagreement the bad ones are where you do lots of topics that you guys don't seem to care about well clearly everyone here cared about every subject we spoke about this time <laughs> i for one would rather you discussed few topics at length i really think you should discuss this with your subscribers and not feel pressure to include all topics and uh, now you have a daily dose as well i particularly enjoyed the trouble abhinandan was having keeping madhu from taking over <laughs> given that you had a really nice article by him on your page would you consider having david devdas on your show yeah Vijay absolutely Krishna? i did suggest to kartik and we'll definitely get him on for one right, half so hours. kartik that's up to you our producer has been told so uh, the two things the the joblessness and this so hasni can you tell us anything about this redevelopment what's happening oh, um, what what is the plan well you know it's there are grand plans in every government and then there are the plans that actually are able to see light of day uh, there is no question that uh, um, the the uh, the government of prime minister narendra modi takes this idea of redeveloping leaving legacies through architecture quite seriously uh, you know the redevelopments in in uh, amdavad for example should tell us you know how he likes to go forward whether it the sabarmati and uh, the gujarat bhavan over here which they they started at the time uh, as far as uh, parliament goes according to the government it started out essentially as a problem of space that members of parliament just did not have space that parliament has outgrown uh, the kind of usage it has um, and i think there are two parts now to the redevelopment there one is they've made it very clear and the uh, the urban development minister hardeep puri's made it very clear they're not demolishing parliament thank so god so it's the 
उद्योग भवन विल प्रॉबली गो वे अकॉर्डिंग टू द करंट प्लान एंड न्यू वंस विल कम इन इट्स प्लेस आई थिंक इट विल नीड ए सिटीजन्स टू कॉन्स्टेंटली कीप अ स्पॉटलाइट टू सी व्हाट इज गोइंग टू बी बिल्ट देयर एंड नॉट जस्ट हैव अ यूनिलैटरल प्लान put forward i think there there must be some kind of uh, back and forth between the citizenry there was a plan but that seems to the talk about it has gone away of clearing out north block and south block and having museums there mm. uh, but i think that uh, has now mm. been put off for the moment so what we're looking at is a redevelopment of the area from vijay chowk uh downwards which are some of these buildings that were maybe constructed in the 50s and the 60s which don't quite uh, solve the purpose and if you've been inside places like shastri bhavan you know that they are desperately in need of uh, it's uh, an of, inefficient uh, use of space of by renovation and you know their infrastructure all wise also they're uh, they're badly planned it's from the soviet era more or less a lot of this yeah, planning they actually look like very soviet uh, yeah and so. you go there the smells the to- plumbing needs that's right so i mean these are buildings that have outlived old, their life 50 year old plumbing uh, needs and, to be redone uh, so i think that's that's where it is at but i think it's necessary you know just like um, there was an outrage as soon as there was any talk about parliament being demolished and the ministry had to come out and clarify that there's no such plan so but that plan didn't exist that let's was a rumor hope there was no such plan <laughs> um but i whatever it is there's a need for citizenry to be involved in these places after all these are what Whatever you might think of places. them, uh, and who built them, and all the rest, these are our public heritage, you know. And this is areas. Maybe what you need to do is take the cars out of there, make more piazzas in Delhi where people can just walk around. The boat club lawns have always been that. I've always provided that for citizens. But I think it's necessary to see them as as public uh, sort of spaces. Yeah, you know, I. I've always wondered, and I have friends who are into restoration, including uh, Raghu's wife, Meeta Ji. And you know, I've had a view, and I wasn't sure whether I'm, I'm, I'm being like one of those let's demolish all old things kind of thing. I've never seen the value of, you know, Latians, Delhi. You should not, you are not allowed. When Amar Singh did that too, had bungalow. Not that I have any love for Amar Singh, but he made his Latians bungalow. You are not supposed to demolish or construct anything because they are whatever heritage, heritage properties. properties. He made some ugly swans and whatever his aesthetic allowed him to do with his bungalow. Mm. You know that you can't touch these bungalows; they must remain like that. Like what they've done to Noroji Nagar next to Ames, all those right. tall buildings. Yeah. And I quite like the paintings, murals. Kya tha na unko jo bahar banaye. The green spaces. Hai. Yeah. Now, for example. आर के पुरम सरोजनी नगर ऑल दोज अदर नगर अराउंड दैट इवन एज अ फौजी वेन आई यू नो डो ड्रॉप माई डैट टू द धोलकुआ क्लब समटाइम्स ऑल दोज फौजी हाउस आर द सेम द वर्ल्ड ओवर वेदर वी वर पोस्टेड टू भोपाल और सिलीगुरी और गैंगटॉक इट्स दैट सेम डिजाइन वन और वन नीचे इट्स रियली इनफिशेंट यूज स्पेस सो इफ दे टू ब्रिंग डाउन ऑल दीज बिल्डिंग्स एंड हैव द न्यूयॉर्क मॉडल हैव कॉन्सेंट्रेटेड multi-story towers and then have a big ass central park then again have concentrated multi-story towers and then a big ass central park why is that not a good thing and demolish all these five six acre latins bungalows i yeah. what is sure, the value of this there is a finite period for any building and also and I it can, happens around the world I where buildings come down and agar aapka you know lodi ka kila koi hai ki lal kila hai theek hai 
but these are not that old secondly now technology allows if we want future generations to see them you can have a hologram and modi ji can appear all over the world you can have these walkabouts yeah the technology allows you know i'll give you a small example uh, some of the bungalows uh, the bigger larger bungalows near khan market for example were built surprisingly as temporary accommodation by the british during the war because they suddenly needed to have more officers over here uh, they were built as temporary now they were just such good quality in those days that they've lasted but they're in shambles today and uh, you're absolutely like right like article 370 you do need urban <laughs> renewal <laughs> well i'm not getting into that but but you need urban renewal everywhere but it has to be you know born of experiences that are good as you said why not have more green spaces in between after all the redevelopment of that whole area near ina has been done with green spaces uh, and, and you and you need all of these i, I think what's necessary is to ensure that what is heritage and what is landmark is not done away with um so rashtrapati bhavan yeah. north block south block these are parts sure, part, exactly. it's a part of our but identity like thousands of lodi road but lodi i do college. think if new buildings come up they have to be keeping uh, they should be in line with the aesthetics so what already so exists so keep them in, in line with the aesthetics but for example i i'll, I'll tell you when building. members of parliament or, or you know high officials in the old days always got these massive bungalows mm. as they started building new ones they built the ab type if you've seen those yeah. which are more efficient upstairs downstairs uh, that's where the judges uh, when i was young modi bag was different so you've done that and now members of new members of parliament live in apartment buildings you don't have But a choice but i think rajput has a special character has sure. an architect Absolutely. i don't think you can just Okay, I, not they're going to make new. They're going to make yeah. new buildings. But, but I hope they keep in all of Latin. Like so many bungalows. What I'm saying is, Arkepuram, Saroji Nagar, and Latians. You can make it ten times as green, and you can accommodate three times the amount of people there if you were just to. raise all that to the ground and redevelop it no not just there all over the country in all, every city every town you have to look for new innovative urban solutions because the infrastructure is crumbling and as the migration to cities increases you have to find space you have to have like new kind of designs also because of the you don't have a choice the, as the climate changes all the environmental pressures come on you have to make buildings that are energy efficient that are retrofitted to maximize the least amount of energy your coal is going to sort of if not now in india but elsewhere in the world and eventually in india also you have the ease of coal and petrol and all the other kind of fossil fuels and look for greener houses greener energy greener spaces green energy kind of space yeah, yeah there's an interesting this thing so recently in uh, in the uk norwich so they have these councils who that build houses so the council they built a, a new kind of housing project and that has won the sterling prize which is one of the like top architecture exactly. prizes it is the it consumes 90% less energy beautifully made all kinds of green spaces and the cheapest project they have built so far wow you have to and there are it's not like all the examples of rebuilding are bad after all in connaught place i think uh, along baba karak singh marg yes, for those who live in yeah, delhi it's, it's become it's so much cleaner much nicer where you think about people where so you think about yeah. the public yeah. uh, being there and let's be honest as a, as a citizen i think one of the nicest things about us is the accessibility 
of our public buildings. You know, we've traveled to places around the world, more authoritarian areas, where these entire government uh, buildings are just completely off limits. They're behind large yeah. compound walls and all the rest. The fact that we have Boat Club and we have the area around India Gate for people from around the country to come visit. I'm of the view that important. even the Delhi Golf Club should be taken over and turned into a public park. You can't have such a huge area in the middle of the fucking city, which like 5,000 people have access to, and the same 5,000 people are also members of the Golf Club, of Jim Carter Club, and the same 5,000 members are members of Panchil Club or Friends Club. So if it's up to me, I'd say, you golf, you go Noida Gurgaon, or this is a public park. But Madhu, you're uniquely placed to tell us this, A, because you have a award-winning architect daughter. B, because you build structures that take years to build. <laughs> I know, <laughs> which are typically your homes. And I have seen people joined Newstrack, got married, had children, quit, died, and Madhu's house was made after that. No, because so. there's one simple fact, that if you want to build a house in Delhi, I was told by many people, you have to be standing there every day with a chhatri and supervising it. Mm. I was running an office. <laughs> I was a journalist. I wasn't about to stand there with a chhatri. So we used to go there like once a month, once every two months, yell at everybody and leave. How do you expect a house in Delhi to be built like that? But tell It was impossible and it was built so badly <laughs> that is today, after 20 years, is actually falling apart. So and, and, and you have because to nobody was watching for again. quality and all, and you have to check everything. No, but what do you think of should Latians, Delhi, and all that be preserved like it's some sort of a, I'm in two minds know, on that. Bamiyan I'll tell you. I'm in two minds on that because very often when I see go to a politician's home uh, in Latians Delhi and I see I do see it as a little excessive and um, a bit much in a in a country like ours but then there are homes that I have been to such as uh, Fakhruddin Ahmed's house after he died his widow was living there his family was living there it is the most phenomenal design ever I would really cry if that was demolished so there are some homes which I mean the a wooden balustrade going and carved all over the, these are heritage buildings so I would feel a little uh, you know not good about nostalgia no, not nostalgia it's pres preservation of craft yeah yeah preservation exactly. of Houses. of architecture of those days it's not nostalgia at all it is something that you see in many other countries where they know what needs to be preserved uh, you know the time when we were in Patna the last time when I was interviewing yeah Lalu, Lalu. I drove past an absolutely exquisite building from the British times and I asked the driver I said ye kya building hai? he says ye angrezon ke time ke library thi. it was unbelievable the, the architecture of it the carvings the woodwork it was just superb from outside he says ye bas do mahine mein ye isko niche nikal rahe aur ek modern building bana rahe offices ki now that is not nostalgia mm. that is you know this architectural preservation of those kind of buildings I think is important. You can't tell me there's not enough land in India or in Bihar that you have to knock down buildings like that. And maybe, I mean, if you look at European countries, they have preserved all these really old buildings, but they've then worked inside the building to sort of make it more functional, useful, make it yeah. more modern, but the facade remains. Exactly. I do think, I, I'm not for like, just having some strange skyscraper or big storied building next to a really sort of beautiful exactly old and the, you see that in many countries yeah. the facades should be yeah, same the I facades think so. remain the same and we look at the New York Public Library for example it's the facade is same the, stayed the same for, for centuries I don't know when it was built but 
internally of course they've renovated a lot of things uh, that's what redevelopment is it's not just knocking down old exactly. buildings and building new and ones building new like ones the british there. parliament they are spending ton loads of money to retrofit it make it more energy efficient more space efficient but the building will remain there so all these buildings you Who can do the same with the parliament and we have others. time for just one quick thing and then i want to talk about the i want to plug news laundry using the example of trump but what is the government of what the man who looks so he, like he's always Adhra crying jagan mohan reddy jagan ek to jagan whether he's happy sad ecstatic whether he's won an election lost an election he always looks like he's crying i think he's good looking i find him a good looking politician considering you also think sudhir is suave i know and, i mean this girl so i never said sudhir chaudhary is suave you think he talks to me jagan reddy i'm the one okay let's, let's get back to the jagan mohan reddy is actually one of the better looking politicians jagan mohan reddy okay jagan so jagan mohan reddy so jagan mohan reddy has empowered his bureaucrats bureaucrats to sue journalists now i'm not saying everyone should go around suing journalists but i'm not sure what an objection can be if someone has a right to stand up for against defamation i mean why is that because a problem because i think we because when you hey, i was surprised that till now you couldn't that means if i'm a government employee and someone writes some shit about me no you can so what happens is that you the commissioner for information and public relations was authorized to uh, you know file defamation cases wherever we felt that you know the story is not correct or whatever so they've taken that they've extended that power to all the secretaries now so you already had one guy who was doing this if you're going to have every department secretary is empowered with this creates a chilling effect and then defamation is again baseless false reports fine because you can then there's a very set parameter by which you can prove this is baseless this is false but defamatory stories are again leaves it really open anyone i mean mm-hmm. any secretary so can say law, you wrote this about also my, yeah de- also criminal defamation yeah, yeah that's because in criminal, india we have criminal defamation you shouldn't have that that's but that where one person was doing it now you have secretaries of every department empowered with that which creates more of a chilling effect for journalists if you're reporting on those departments on those secretaries also sometimes so i mm. think it's I don't know what is it's your view so and you think they should well, have that Well it's a question firstly of whether uh, the person is talking about being defamed for what he does or she does in public office right and if it is a question of some kind of misdemeanor within a public office then it opens up a whole different case right it opens up is the is there corruption within the government for example then does the government actually have to respond uh, and not just that one official or does the government have to take action against the official on the basis of that so i i, I think you, we, one will have to separate what was you know private defamation if you like uh, something which is defamatory about a specific individual and i think that was the the power they didn't have in the past so now when they do this and if they file a case let's say you know every bureaucrat decides to file a case the government will pick up the tab for that case yeah it's no, going to be from yeah. so the then, then, then that's a principal agency problem that means they will sue us with our money yeah okay will use that's a problem <laughs> i think the the real issue is the way defamation is treated in our country and particularly the problem of criminal defamation you have even people who claim to be progressive like um, uh, the tmc member of parliament who sued uh, i think it was z for defamation yes. um uh, but defam- then it was criminal defamation and yeah. you want yeah. to say you don't need to put that Mahua person did that, right? yes. yeah. uh, put that person away in jail in order to make yeah. your point yeah. uh, so i think we have to uh, to change really the attitudes that people in power feel about journalists to begin with the idea that you know we can sort of just lock you up if we can uh, prove that something was defamatory i mean and there are international examples in the us for example uh, there's a very clear case that not only should the journalists uh, have written a falsehood but they should have knowingly written a falsehood mm, yeah motivation so the 
onus on who to prove that defamation is much more on the public official. This is only for public officials. As I said, we have to make a, a, a distinction between private uh, you know, defamation of a person and no, uh, things they be did in public. The government agency, and it includes social media posts. Yeah. So that's just... It includes social, social media, media posts. posts. So it's not just news reports. It's what you're going to tweet See, or what you're going to put on I, Facebook. I'm not actually against anyone filing cases against journalists. I think it's okay. If somebody files a case of defamation against me, it's fine. Because as long as truth is the defense, let it come out in, in public. So if I am right in my story and I have truth as my defense, which now has become the precedent, which earlier it wasn't, if you can prove that what you've written is true, then the onus goes on the person I reported on. As long as it's not a criminal thing, I think that criminal part should be removed, but I, I'm not against somebody suing me on a story because I would like my day in court to prove that yes, what I wrote was true. That's fine, but then when governments use it indiscriminately, we know what happened in Tamil Nadu when Jailalita yeah, was using it. Yeah, that's a problem, I but agree. Then, then that's that's a censorship problem, and in courts also... I mean, because, if you're right, you don't want to go to the you're not sure about the judiciary being completely fair to you and the influence on po from politicians on the judges and all that's not and the unheard of. And the length of and, and yeah. the psychological pressure, whether it's verbally said or not. I agree, all that is a problem. But on principle, it doesn't upset me if somebody sued me for defamation because as long as I have my day in court to prove that what I wrote is true, then let him deal with it. Uh, but in India, the process is the punishment. The Nobody ever expects anybody to be convicted of defamation charges and all that. Usually they just throw you in but court. Almost so every you news organization has three, four hundred cases filed. Yes. Them in small, small towns all over the yes. country. Yes. So the bigger organizations, so they can maybe exactly. afford it, but the smaller ones can't. And if you are in Andhra Pradesh, it's a small uh, news organization. If you spend all your time and resources on court, you are going to go bankrupt. Yeah. Plus you're sued wherever there is publication. So you may be based in Delhi and you have to go to Mizoram mm. every time to yeah. answer the court over there and at the same time go to Kerala and at the same time. And so it's also a problem for the reporter who's uh, who then has to answer to the news organization exactly. who's irritated yeah. by prohibitive. the expense and the liability he then becomes. In fact, Neha's on her own. The, um, the publication she wrote for is not backing her. Outlook. Neha Dikshit. Uh, so she has RSS to appear, story. I think it's in, the, in Assam, right? RSS, yeah. So she has about to go the there and she's been, you know, battling it on her or own. Or you have all these cases, as he said, the process becomes a punishment. You, somebody files a defamation suit against you and then they don't show up in court. So their uh, lawyer keeps getting yeah. uh, adjournments, but you have to be there every time because God forbid, if you're not there, the judge can rule against you at any time. So I, I think uh, we really do need to change mindsets when it comes to what... The, the press is role is and, and what people should allow the press uh, in terms of you know freedom from such also if you're a beat reporter then you know and you know that such a law exists and bureau bureaucrats can target you you think twice before writing things right that's the whole no, point. That's the journalistic process well uh, no but there could be self censorship that would creep in because you'd be extra careful ki kahin gussa na ho jaye, kahin, you know well you know but i again i i do think that while the process is a punishment and it's a binary, the choice hit. There are no grays. Either we should have that as a right or we shouldn't. Given what we know, I think it's important to have that because while we assume every journalist is a wonderful truth teller, that is not the case. In small towns, journalists are extortionists. They will do a sting operation and then they will extort stuff. There are journalists, for example, this Sikh boy who has just been let off. Sarabjit Singh. Uh, Sarabjit, mm -hmm. uh, Sarabjit for that, uh, the, the whole thing. <laughs> And at that time, there were several people who said, uh, you know, not everybody believed that girl uh, with good reason. Also, you know, 
I understand society is so warped uh, on gender uh, that it's completely optimized for men the world so therefore it takes a lot of courage for a woman to step up and say but at the same time I don't I think I, I don't know who said this it, it was one of the Hollywood uh, you know in context of me too that because uh, because she uh, remained friends with one of the stand-up comics who was accused and when you know she was asked that how can you still remain friends she says listen to all women because it takes a lot of courage to come out but it's not the same thing as believe all women and she says not any man will have the guts to say this in today's day and age because there are cases that proved were not true why for you know every 10 Weinsteins that are true there are two that are not and Arshak did that sting operation on that woman who mm. was striking a deal with this guy outside court she's saying you give me this money and I'll withdraw the case right now now this is another case that has come up where this guy was in that context what Arnab and gang did for those three four days should this guy not have the right to take of that course. guy to court and he of does course. have the right he does have the right he does but have that's the different right. from bureaucrat no but no but suppose he was a bureaucrat if, you, so you were, he should forfeit no, that right if he should but that's a different case but in this you have to you have to bifurcate what yeah. people are doing in you know because what a public official does in terms of his public duties is of public concern and mm. if you know if somebody has uh, written a, a charge arguing that they have been derelict in their duties or corrupt and all the rest of that then it it should not be an unfair kind of hmm. uh, skewing over there if it's about a personal matter then obviously that will always be there i mean personal yeah. defamation I mean, is no not one's the saying issue. they shouldn't have recourse even for a baseless story on the government the government has the right to file a case if they think it's malicious yeah, also, but that's yeah. different from giving power to people to let's also remember a government a public official a parliamentarian they have so many platforms at their behest if they were to deny a story it would probably you know have much more value than a, than than even the first report possibly if they were to so they have the platform a, a bully pulpit that they, so have to speak. The, they should not be allowed to then go after journalists and uh, you know haul them up to court even if it is for a day in court to prove themselves they they should be a stricter standard for okay them. i just want to know are you optimistic about the new uh, justice uh, bob bobde right that's how you pronounce the name when he said that some people in the country have too much freedom of speech and some people have too little freedom of speech that i i was really worried when he said that like eight what is too much freedom It's of speech it's a bit daft i mean beyond everything yeah i, <laughs> I mean i, don't, I mean i was a little concerned on what his take will be on freedom of speech and also he said it's a privilege to be sitting on the bench on the janbhumi case uh, so i didn't know what to make of that freedom of speech thing what, what do you think does that means he gets it or he doesn't get it he meant it in a very different kind of a way i mean but the the basic point is true some people do have more freedom of speech in of this country than others but what is too much freedom of speech you can I say some people have more yeah. some people have less but when you say some people have too much freedom of speech what For is example, too much freedom arnab goswami he can say anything yeah. and so what i'm saying without is, but, any consequences like i said you have to tolerate the actually, worst actually uh, mm. arnab goswami faced a defamation case from a judge Uh, yes at, and yeah. he had to he said, yeah they sorry. had to pay also that time. yeah and he still keeps going on and on and on If you're saying that it's true uh, what kind of people don't have the f- same freedom of speech 
the poor and the marginalized they no, can't of course they don't they no, don't no, no. meaning that so you have the freedom of speech the but they know they're not heard they don't have the there voice is, to be heard yeah even in the that's a different thing they have the freedom no, no. of speech okay say for example there was that uh, nobody listens to them that's there was, a different matter there was that uh, case of uh, oasis brother akbaruddin oasis hmm. making that uh, stupid speech some yeah. some years ago he was hauled off to jail 15 minutes mein uh, he was hauled off to jail immediately you have sadvi pragya you have all the other people nobody has even touched them Yeah, yeah, but I don't think the Chief Justice was discussing. No, no, I'm, I'm, I'm not saying about political issues. No, no, that's not about privilege. That's not a matter of the income. It's a matter of political bent, and because they are saying things. No, but it's a matter of privilege. No, I think it's privilege. No, no, I think it's marginalized. One is he was a Muslim making a communal remark that was a Muslim communal remark, and the other was a Hindu making a Hindu communal remark. So there's majoritarian privilege also. So it is. It is privilege. I mean, it may not be privilege of status or economics, but it is privilege yeah, of the majority. But who judges? The courts judge. But, but, so yeah, but, yeah, but, that's but, a, but you, but, he started the conversation saying that there are people who are with lower income groups who can do not have the yeah, freedom of speech. My argument is they do have the freedom of speech, but nobody listens to them. No, so they don't have the freedom of speech. So you can't say that nobody has told them to stop speaking. as nobody has told them to stop talking about their problems nobody stop they have the freedom no, of speech whether they heard is another no, matter no, no, what is no, freedom of speech if they are hauled off to yeah, jail exactly. in chatisgarh in bihar anywhere else no. in kashmir for example is there freedom of speech it's like idi amin said no but then there are people who uh, of say uh, the uh, leaders of political parties in kashmir who been put in jail that's they are not they're not uh, underprivileged by any means it's a political thing you're mixing no, up political it's, it's a different kind of a privilege i'm saying like it's not the economic privilege in all cases there's majoritarian privilege there's political privilege there's economic yeah, privilege it's not also. just economic but what i'm saying is what you're saying that's about that's what i'm saying that it's not economic no, just let's hear me out what i'm saying is but that's that's what i'm saying also it's not economic it is it can be privilege of different types it could be majoritarian privilege it could be caste privilege yeah. it could be so it's not just economic that's what we're saying that's what i'm saying yeah but the point yeah, what yeah, you're saying that everybody can say what the hell they want i think like idiamin said i guarantee you freedom of speech but i don't guarantee you freedom after speech so i think to say that you can say what you want but then the consequences are different is as good as saying no it's not equal freedom of speech yeah, i mean agreed so, so consequences mm-hmm. matter so if one person has a consequence to pay and that person has no consequence then it is freedom of speech that's under uh, assault we just had a case of that uh, girl who accused chinmayanand of these things what yeah. happened to her the yeah. girl who accused uh, singer right yeah. they so came they out exercised their freedom of speech and what happened so anyway but on, Mr. A, on a side the justice note justice is yes. obviously talking no, not he's talking about something different yeah. he's talking about so, i don't know what he's talking about i for him to say Too, too much freedom, freedom means that you are in India and sit there. How can you be no, the same politician? That, that to me is really. I think it will be that. A little mm. alarming. I want to know what is too much. What is too speech? much? That is what I am curious. What is too much? Yada bolti hai. Uh, I have been so, hearing all so my life. What bolti hai? Yada bolti hai. No, we all we all just shut up. Talk about how the quality of the Supreme Court and everything has gone down. I think Exhibit A should be Justice Deepak Mishra's judgment in the criminal defamation judgment. Everybody should read it. Like tell uh, what what does he say? Just read the language. Just read the language and the arguments. Okay. It's basically on what uh, the criminal defamation judgment. Mm. Justice Deepak Mishra's. It's amazing. Just the language used, the tone used. 
I mean, okay. it's like, uh, unfortunately, it's like some guy who's steeped in Brahminical privilege, like who takes uh, respect, how others should respect. Basically, respect, you don't have to earn it. It's your right by it's birth. Right. And yeah, that's, mm-hmm. But I think that's also the thing about judges. Like uh, this judge, say, same thing said that a, weed, uh, a judge need not say why uh, he wants to recuse himself from a case. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, and, and that's that, matter closed. I think if you are occupying public office, you have to be answerable to everything. I think that's true for journalists as well. I think one of the biggest problems with journalists, and this is true for a lot of journalists across generations, there are a few exceptions, but get Pranoy to speak on anything. His line is, we are not the story. Dude, we are all the story. If you are the pipeline which provides information to the public, you have to be answerable. Mm. Arnab is not going to answer any question. He will not sit on a platform with his peers because they'll kick his ass because he's so full of shit. Uh, same thing with Sudhir. Uh, sorry, uh, so my language on Haftas is terrible, but that's just the kind of show it is. But the point is, there is, and judges epitomize that that we are not answerable to anybody. Yeah, the, Madhu God. was saying the in the uh, two two weeks back that Supreme Court justices they think we are not accountable that, that, that to anybody. We are God. No, you got to answer, and uh, I think that's that's. I think the at least in the Sarojit case, I was going back to some of the things that he said. Arnab actually said this man is a potential rapist. Like Who? that Sarojit, uh, you know, with Justine Kaur that, case that where this guy has been now acquitted. The girl put up a video saying that he's teasing me or whatever, he's harassing me. And then there was this whole media trial on this Delhi ka pervert or Delhi ka darinda. He was called all sorts of things. But it's true that the havoc you can wreck on someone's life and these guys are completely not accountable. He lost his job. And nobody is hiring him because he because has a Because he was called record. a potential rapist on like the most watched news channel. So we don't have time for anything else. I would have loved, I just want to tell our listeners that, you know, uh, Trump cancelled his subscription and asked all government departments cancel their subscription to Washington Post and New York Times but those guys are still doing very well and their revenues from subscriptions are going higher and higher which is a fantastic way to keep journalism alive because you're not dependent on one entity or two entities or you know right now all the newspapers are only living off Amadi Party ads because every day there are three full page ads I don't think it's a uh, it's a coincidence that suddenly you don't see any Amani party bashing in newspapers that we're doing it on a regular basis or even channels. Uh, you see, once these ads stop, let's see what happens then. Same thing happened when Yogi Ji was giving ads from UP. Even the channels that would happily bash Yogi every now and then had stopped bashing Yogi, they would start bashing someone in Maharashtra. So as long as advertising is the primary pipeline, you can say goodbye to public interest journalism, which is why I urge you to go on to newslawyer.com and pay to keep news free because when the public pays, the public is served. And when advertisers pay, advertisers served. And I'd also like to point out at this stage, uh, Manisha and Meghna are doing this new series called Bloodlust TV. Bloodlust TV, where we'll be calling out I mean, just many of you don't watch television. That's why you listen to this show. The kind of stuff that is said on television these days is mind-blowing. So we are not only going to call that out, but we're going to call out who are the brands that are the primary sponsors of these shows. So you know that this is what they endorse or support. Uh, on that note, I'd like to get recommendations for everybody across and then we can say goodbye with our song dedication. So let me start with Madhu. What what do you recommend? Oh, I would recommend this piece uh, by uh, three, it's Ronan a three-part series by Ronan Farrow in The New Yorker. And it gives a lot of insight to us about, uh, you know, the snooping that's going on in, in WhatsApp and the methodology and the detail. It's just shocking and fascinating. And I think we should just understand that everything that you say, maybe even every thought that you have, they, whoever they are, they know. Okay. 
so hasan um obviously i would um, recommend reading the hindu yes. and also actually uh, we've moved behind a paywall okay. or are on, in the process of fully moving behind a paywall so i would urge everyone to subscribe because as you yourself said eventually if the reader pays the reader is the person who um essentially is respected the most in 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 terms of news judgment although i have to say that the hindu uh, regardless of uh, you know what you were saying of advertisement does stick to a certain journalistic code um in terms of uh, reading recommendations there is a huge number of books as well as a lot of articles that are now coming out about populism worldwide you know a lot of the problems we think are just in terms of india are actually a, a larger global trend so i would say it's important for citizens particularly in between elections when we're not just talking about the issues of elections to look at what populism is how populists are becoming successful worldwide it's not just about being popular it is about what defines one group against another there's a professor called jan werner muller who's written a book called what is populism who essentially defines it as uh, movements that are anti elitist anti pluralistic and then talks about 17 different democracies that have turned populist in the last few years and what are the common themes for example using foreign policy for domestic Mm, uh, policy gains audience. you know mm. there's there's a whole bunch of them and I, and i really think readers will benefit from taking a step back from what we think are our only problems in our country to looking at the global trend of how this is happening and where it's doing well and where it isn't oh uh, so i have two pieces one within uh, wanted to discuss about the naga talks couldn't that mm. much so we had a piece by samrat uh, we published it last week it's called are the naga peace talks headed for a violent breakdown violent breakdown okay. yes so you should read that and another piece uh, since we've been talking about pollution there's this piece by banalta sen which was published in scroll last year so it basically gives the farmers perspective of the problem it's called punjab farmers want to stop burning stubble that causes delhi pollution but they have few options okay manisha uh, so we know um, how facebook was criticized during the rohingya genocide for not acting on hate speech on its platform because they didn't have burmese speakers now there's a story in time that talks about hate speech against bengali muslims in assam where they're called parasites rats and rapists and how it's very similar to what was happening in myanmar you know before the genocide and how facebook was doing nothing to tackle hate speech in assamese in languages other than english basically so it's a very a good and terrifying read uh, another piece in the guardian on um, samira ahmed bbc journalists battle against the organization on equal pay the headline says behind the bbc equal pay is an assumption over who we cherish it's a nice piece okay so one of the pieces that i want to recommend is a two part series podcast on the promise and peril of vaping it's a fascinating story of how this company jewel was born the phenomenal valuation that it you know achieved and then when it was banned just before that how much they sold to a tobacco company that the company that owned uh, philip morris it's a fascinating story at very various levels but it it still doesn't answer that what is happening to the lungs of people who are vaping uh, but after this in the story where is this in the new yorker it's uh, the, it's the daily podcast which is a part of the new york times podcast series it's called the daily yeah but there's also the same title that i just googled Uh, an article in the new yorker called the promise of vaping and the rise of jewel by so, gia talentino yeah this is that. so there's a podcast so uh, 
I guess it's probably based on the they same. Also have an, uh, it's a New York Times podcast. This okay, one. Okay, so this is the New Yorker. Same. Okay, so we check out both. We can check both out. And uh, the other one I want to suggest is it's a piece by Sam Adams in Slate. It says the golden age of TV is over. It's a very interesting read. I don't agree with all of it, but I think it has a very interesting take. And what what he argues is that television's finest time is gone. While we still think that the kind of content we get today is you know, much better. We're getting so much, but he's saying so much of the content today is terrible and all these platforms that were taking on traditional studios to create content that was different, edgy, have become those that they were taking on. It's like Facebook has become that that it posed. Apple has become that that it opposed. I think that's inevitable so for the new organization. Does it include Netflix in this discussion? Yeah, it includes all, all, all online platforms. And I think it is true. I mean, I being a television uh, you know, professional and I was a producer for between 2000 to 2011, 12, before we started News Laundry, I definitely think the golden age of television is over. But there's a more exciting digital age, so it'll be interesting to see what that has in store. I don't, it doesn't make sense to me. What doesn't? Like the golden age of television, the golden age of books is over, the golden age of cinema is over. How can you say it's over? No. It's just different. Well, I would say that the 90s was, for Bo- for Bollywood, was the worst phase in cinema for a long time. Like late 80s to end 90s. You had all these Sunil Shetty, Fardeen Khan, Isha Diol. You had the talentless wonders of, you know, former stars who had hit puberty and said, Papa, I hero to hai. And say, Chalo, beta bano. So every film that time was shit. Then 2000s and nicer films started coming out, but that was a shit phase. So I think similarly, it's it's you know it's it's not a final, but it's cyclical. I mean, no, but if they're including uh, documentaries and all the stuff that's coming out, it's the kind of stuff that's coming out in terms of documentaries and and serious films is never is. I think it's the golden age. I'm enjoying it thoroughly. So no, what, what he says, it's about to come to an end, and he argues why because many of the things that we thought were great, now the amount of the new signings that are happening with these platforms going online are very limited, and they are only like a Game of Thrones is the most sought after signing that that is to happen. He says, of course, it's not happening now for a variety of other reasons, and you also get an idea of the budgets. Like the pilot was ten million dollars that was rejected. That's a pilot. That was, I think, the amount that was the budget of all the shows I've done in my life. So that I'm was going like to say a, what my uh, mother would have said. Pata nahi, hum to enjoy kar rahe. Chalo ji, hum bhi and I hope aap log bhi enjoy kar rahe. Thank you so much, Swasti, for coming. Always a pleasure for your Thank clear you. thoughts. And uh, my recommendation is please be in Bangalore for our subscribers meet. If you have any recommendation of where we can meet in in Indira Nagar, right? That's that's the locality. Uh, write to me at abhinandan.sekri at gmail.com. Write to us at contact at newslaundry.com for any inputs or feedback that you have on the hafta. If you just have general abuse to re- leave, you can re- leave it on any of our Twitter timelines. Uh, for the more articulate, you can write in to contact at newslaundry.com. And subscribers, please come and tell us what we can do to make News Laundry better. Uh, for the first time, we're having a subscriber meet in Bangalore, so look forward to seeing you. On that note, I'll leave you with this song. Thank you all. Thank you, panel. Bye-bye. Thank you, audience. Goodbye.
Blues Laundry podcasts are available on Stitcher, iTunes and any other podcast platform. Please subscribe to News Laundry. Help us keep news independent. To catch all our podcasts on news, pop culture, current affairs and sport, visit newslaundry.com. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram and subscribe to our YouTube channel. 